Hello and welcome to the Autism in Real Life podcast. In each episode, you'll get practical strategies by taking a journey into the joys and challenges of life with autism. I'm your host, Ilya Walsh, and I'm an educator and the parent of two young adults, one of which is on the autism spectrum. Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Elia with the Spectrum Strategy Group, and I welcome back today Marina Kay, and we are speaking on um, gender, gender diversity. Um, you know, I think we've we've already started. I have. If you haven't listened to some of the other podcasts, we have a couple podcasts uh, preceding this that you may want to listen in on. But in in doing that, I realized that there's so much more to this conversation. And uh, Marenike has done uh, a lot of work in this space. And so I, I want to welcome you back. Thanks. It's great to be back. Excellent. So um, I think one of the things I realized as we were doing some of the other <laughs> the other uh, podcast that we we may have talked a bit about some topics. I, I met with um, Varun Warrier, who did the rec- the most recent research with that large, I think, six hundred and fifty thousand, um, I guess, data points. We could say. Um, but <laughs> the interesting thing is, I realized we were using some terms and and just. Um, talking in a way that, of course, we were pretty comfortable with. But I recognize that at the end of that, uh, that there might be some things we were talking about that people are like, I don't think I totally understand what's happening here. Um, And and I want to be sensitive to that because sometimes we can really get caught up if it's something that we talk about in our world all the time, that some people aren't familiar with the language. And um, particularly when I when I the you know the podcast with Varun is entitled Gender Identity. To me, that seems like oh, I get that, or at least you know I think I get it. Um, but I realize yeah. that many people out there might not understand that, and I know um, that it's it can be a sensitive topic for many people. It can be confusing, um, and so I wanted to kind of just get it out right and <laughs> like let's yeah. talk about it. Um, so I'm hoping you can help myself and help, you know, listeners um, feel a little more comfortable and get a better understanding and kind of go through that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And I think it's important because I think that, you know, meanings change over time, they evolve. And, um, you know, people, you know, people endeavor to understand things, but they might not. And it's not about trying to be, you know, disrespectful or intolerant. It's just simply a learning curve for a lot of people and all of us really, because these these things are always changing. Yes. No, that's an excellent point. Yeah. And so I really want to just kind of start there. And I think you're right. I think, um, words, meanings of words change. And so if we're going to say what gender is, I would say most people would start by saying, well, gender is male and female. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So yeah. so when we talk about gender identity or gender diversity, which are two different things, I think, um, <laughs> can you help us better understand, you know, what what is the current, right? We want to be mindful of what, what is gender mean to different, you know, to this, to this world or that we're talking about with gender identity? So first I would say that I think the reason why a lot of people say, oh, gender is male and female is because the, a lot of the documents that we use um, that used to say sex on them, um, you, you know, they simply just replaced gender with sex. And that has allowed a lot of people to um, conflate gender and sex. And so that's, you know, everywhere they read, everything that they look at, it seems to make sense. Um, mm-hmm. However, you know, 
it's a it's, a, it's too simple of an explanation to just say, oh, okay, your sex is this, your gender is that, because of the fact that um, just because for a number of people, um, gender, you know, the, the sex that they are assigned at birth, their biological um, makeup, essentially, you know, most people, you know, we know there's variations, but the more, the most common sexes, biological sexes are the um, the chromosomes that end with XX, which are what is associated with a woman or a female sex. And then the chromosomes that end with XY, which are associated with a, a male, um, you know, what's considered a male sex. Um, there are, of course, you know, variations. There's people who have XO, you know, there's people who have two um, XXY or XYY. And so there's, you know, there's never, there's always been a situation where there's, you know, although the majority of the population might be, you know, XX or XY, that's not everyone and it never has been. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that's what people associate with sex. And, um, but the difference, gender has always been different from sex, even before I know people say, oh, this stuff is just new. It's this <laughs> new snowflake, Western, <laughs> weird thing. And they're trying to take over everyone. I'm like, no, not exactly. Um, this, there has always been, you know, there've always been, um, you know, trisomies. So a lot of people, when they think of trisomy, they think of Down syndrome, but there are gender trisomies and there always have been. Um, there are, um, um, tetrasomies and pentasomies and mm-hmm. so people who have you know so, you know people who have things such as turner syndrome or other conditions where it's not just a simple xx you know xy and so um i think that it's important for um, us to realize that gender has changed over the years and so gender is basically what people have as um what people it's kind of like we look at culture culture or race um, they are um, determined, you know, kind of like basically social constructs um, that a group of people determined, you know, is associated with a particular culture or way of being, and it's taught and passed down over time. In some, some for some, there might be some aspects of it that, you know, for some people that that gender identity feels natural to them. For others, it's taught. And so um, what, you know, um, interestingly enough, like here in, in America and Western nations, you know, um, that what, you know, they used to be that pink was considered a color for males and mm. blue for girls. And so it's interesting when you look at things in autism, like lighted up blue because of the, <laughs> you know, the number of male diagnoses in a, some years ago that would have been different. Or we can even look at, um, you know, um, the UK and we can look at the early history of America and the fact that the males, you know, people with the male sex wore wigs and powdered makeup and all of those mm. things. And so it's, it's like gender is different from culture to culture. So a gender might be associated with, okay, so they might say that speaking a certain way, dressing a certain way, um, having certain responsibilities with regard to child rearing or um, socialization is associated with the, with the, this gender. Um, and, and, and some other things are associated with this gender. So they're taught, but they are so different, you know, like in some cultures, you know, two males holding hands, two people, you know, seen as, um, seen as male holding hands, um, is not a big deal. Whereas in others, you know, they'd say, you know, that there's homophobia and that would be something that's problematic. Um, the, in terms of the household responsibilities or, um, you know, um, genealogy, you know, the lineage, if it's, you know, is it traced through the, you know, one side of the family or the other, it's different in, in, in cultures. There've always been groups like, you know, the Native American community, the two spirit or other Mm -hmm. places where it's not just been male, female. And I think that where people get confused is that they think that if someone is assigned the Gen, no, I mean, assign the sex of male at birth, meaning that there's a visible penis scrotum. Right. Or assign the gen, the sex of a female at birth, meaning there's what appears to be, you know, labia and so forth. They say, this is a boy, this is a girl. They call it a gender reveal. But that's just mm-hmm. biology. And first, we don't know if you can see a penis, but there's still some ovaries in there, you know, or whatever. We don't know what's going on in the inside. That's just the external. But let's say the person is biologically, quote unquote, male or female. That doesn't mean that's who their gender identity is on the inside. That doesn't mean that's who they feel. That doesn't mean that that matches who they are. Um, And in autism, you know, we know that there's a a, a large variation of gender diversity, um, you know, and I'd say even, you know, beyond autism and, you know, when you look at neurodiversity as a whole, we see more and more of it. And I think that's because um, those of us whose neurology is different simply just um, are able to, you know, perceive what everyone else 
is ignoring <laughs> that it's just not linear. I don't think it's just us. I think that this is, we're just the, you know, canaries in a coal mine who are, uh, you know, yeah. I think that this, the, what we see, what we're experiencing or, or sharing is just, we just aren't faking the funk like other people yeah. are. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I, I like that. You're just not faking it. Right. And, and, I really love that definition. And I love that as I'm asking, as I was thinking, formulating a question in my head, you you were answering it already about, you know, people, I, I was thinking about people who say, no, gender is, you know, but if you're you're born male and you're born female, and it's really just a biology, a, a body part that has been, you know, given to you by how you're, you know, constructed as you are born, um, and that our gender identity is different than that. And so, you know, if, if I if we explore this a little bit further, one of the things, and I, I remember taking a class that explained it, and I don't remember, I, I won't even pretend to remember the entire <laughs> the entire description, but we look at gender and, and you've done a great job of explaining the difference between gender assigned at birth and then also what gender identity is. And so there's also a, a part of gender expression. And I think yes. that that's still yet another, um, I, I want to use the word spectrum yeah. <laughs> because I think it fits really well here and not in the autism context. But um, so can you, can you help us understand, you know, we have gender assigned at birth, we have gender identity, and then we have gender expression. Yes. And so gender expression is kind of, you know, basically um, what, so a person may, um, have a particular sex that's assigned at birth and they might have the gender identity that, you know, best suits them. Um, and then they might have what they choose to portray, what they choose to, um, how they choose to interact um, what in, in the world. So what type of clothing do they wear? Is this mm -hmm. a person who maybe their gender identity is non-binary? They feel, you know, that they're neither male or female, they're just person. Um, but they really like the way flowy long skirts, you know, feel and they like the way makeup looks and they like heels. So their gender expression may look, you know, um, feminine, you know, but that doesn't mean that the person views themselves as feminine. Maybe they, um, the person, you know, has kind of a um, like a neutral, you know what I mean, um, way of dressing to where it's really not, you know, like you really can't associate with any particular gender. Um, it's just kind of androgynous, you know, mm -hmm. or maybe the person presents more, you know, in what it would be associated as more male or it's a mix. Um, and so I think that what confuses a lot of people is they're saying, okay, well, this person says they're, you know, like they're, for example, um, to use an example of an individual, um, um, Lydia Brown mm -hmm. um, is, you know, non-binary um, and asexual. So that's gender and sexuality, which are different. And I know a lot of people conflate we're gonna those. Get, we're going to get there, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. But Lydia has chosen to keep um, the name that they were, that they've gone by for most of their life. And Lydia is a, a, you know, transnational adoptee. And so Lydia keeps both the name that was given by, you know, American adoptive parents, and then the name that Lydia had um, in Asia before coming to the United States. So um, people hear the word Lydia, and they're confused, because most people think, okay, if you're trans, you change your name, right? You know, so, mm. which a lot of people do, because they don't, you know, their former name might feel like a dead name. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, some people may code Lydia as a female name, and therefore think that, okay, you must view yourself as female. And that's not the case. It's simply the name that feels right. You know, whereas if there could be a person who um, perceives themselves as, um, you know, as non-binary, but that the name, you know, that they use might sound more masculine or it might sound, you know, you know, more neutral. So I think that people get confused by what they see. Maybe it's these clothing are, you know, are more comfortable for the person, or maybe this manner of speaking or engaging or um, socializing or what have you is just what is, you know, accessible or, or simple or, you know, to that person or safer. It doesn't mean that it, it shouldn't be mm -hmm. used as um, they shouldn't use that to assume, like, you know, that this person is necessarily one gender or another. So, you know, I give the example of, you know, you could have um, um, a, let's say you have a, a room and, you know, for um, you have parents who have newborns. And so if you call it a breastfeeding room. Well, what about people who don't consider those things on themselves to be breasts? What if they consider mm -hmm. themselves chest feeding? Right. By calling it breastfeeding, you have, um, gen you know, put gender on it. And right. it, it's, it, you know, you could call it breastfeeding, chest feeding, or you could call it feeding. Feeding. Room, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then, or or some of the things like with, you know, 
you see things that are listed as women's hygiene products. I'm like, well, so everyone who considers themselves a woman doesn't need tampons, doesn't need maxi pads. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that could be whether she's a cisgender woman who is not menstruating or whether it's a transgender woman who doesn't have, you know, periods or whatever. Um, right. And so I think that calling those things, like some of the names that people have started to use, like internal condom instead of female condom. Right, you know, external catheter instead of you know penis catheter or whatever it was called. I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Or condom catheter. Those things are more inclusive. It makes people not feel erased. I don't think people understand how how othering it is to feel erased because a lot of people have not been erased and they they may not be accustomed to it with gender. But as a black woman, you know, I think about growing up um, and you know the. Um, flesh-colored band-aids, flesh-colored crayons that didn't match me, right. and makeup that didn't match me. I think about even with my children, you know, so now we're in, you know, it's, you know, I'm older, I have children that I'm raising, and still when you go to, like, um, to buy leotards and dance stuff, I, what is called flesh does not match my daughter, even though right. she's, you know, several shades lighter than me, as you know, as an African-American, and yet it's still there today, you know, 2021. Right. Right. And I think it's because we've we haven't thought through. Um, right. We haven't gone through all of the different things when we're thinking about it. And it, and I think um, we forget that, that. Yes, that also can apply to clothing. I know teaching in a, a very diverse school myself. One of the first things I got as a as a new teacher was a set of crayons and mm. the box itself was all different like mm. skin tones and I was so happy wow, that's amazing <laughs> that's so wonderful because I think usually it was like so I, I would think about so growing up I think about my friends who were Latinx they they're like okay the one that the white the peach is too pale but the brown is too dark I mean yeah. you know what I mean because you know it's such a so much you know so much racial and ethnic variation so it's like not not one shade and even in one family you know what I mean so that's people correct. are like mixing the colors together and so, <laughs> Well, it's funny because I'm light. I have that color, that problem with makeup myself. But but like my mother is much darker than I am. And people would say, oh, really? You don't even look like each other. And I'm like, no, actually, we wore like we did white face makeup once for like mm-hmm. we, were, we were clowns. So we did like. <laughs> and when you saw a picture of us next to each other, we look almost identical. Yeah, and the features. I think people get lost in, in the color. Oh, the coloring right. And right. without looking, hmm, she's got her mom's nose, eyes, chin, whatever, you know. Yeah. yeah, and I'm blue eyes and my mom's brown eyed. So it's like, yeah, people would tell them, where did she come from? And I'm like, I'm like um, you do right. realize that the, the Latinx <laughs> diaspora is very, very broad. You know, I mean? like, you know what I mean? Blondes and blue eyed and redheaded people from people who are, you know, ebony colored, you know. Right, like. right. And so, I, you know, when, when we're talking about gender as well, we do associate these, uh, the colors. And I tried so hard, you know, as a parent also to make sure that I was you know, I, I also wanted to not assign blue or, you know, pink or, you know, any shades in within that and just was really mindful of following whatever my kids leads were and what they what they appreciated and what they liked. And so, you know, I tried to follow that, which was um, which is hard. It can be really hard. Um, and so, you know, I, I want to get back to um, thinking about you mentioned a couple of things. So I'm, I'm taking notes here so I can ask you. Um, you know, in gender expression, you talked about safety as one mm-hmm. piece. And, and I know um, in having and meeting with people now to kind of talk through this theme with other guests as well, um, that, that, that concept of safety, which I think a lot of people don't think about, um, is, is there. And I know as, you know, again, as a, a female appearing person, um, you know, I tell the story, my dad, who is a police officer, he would tell us when you're walking by yourself, you know, make sure you have your keys out, pretend you're talking on the phone before you get in the car, look in the back seat. Um, you know, like all these things, because he had seen women get assaulted and he was mm-hmm. very concerned with giving us that message of how to keep ourselves safe. And that was from a really young age. And I, I was like, wow, like, I guess I should be afraid of the outside world because I'm a woman. That's basically what he was saying. And I know he didn't mean it in a way to make me afraid, but he wanted me to be aware. And, you know, to have those kind of conversations with my own 
daughter um, mm-hmm. feels really uncomfortable because I don't want her to feel unsafe in the world. But I, I think in some ways that's reality. And then if we add this layer of gender expression on top of it, uh, we're adding we're adding even more to that sense of feeling safe in the outside world. Exactly. And I think that that's, you know, something that people don't think about, whereas, you know, some people kind of live their lives kind of stealth in terms of the way that they present or they might present at work or in certain social settings because of that, you know, like it, you know, it isn't, it's sad. I mean, I think earlier this month, so I know we're, you know, later in the month, but earlier this month already we had um, the eighth, you know, trans and gender individual that was murdered, you Mm -hmm. know, this year, you know, a victim of violence. And then, so we have, you know, it's increased every year, you know, there were, you know, I believe there were 45 violent um, deaths last year in 2020. Um, And so that, before that, the highest number of known violent murders were, it was in 2017. And so it's just, you know, it's, it's awful, you know, and that's, we're talking about murder. We're not talking about quote unquote accidents or domestic abuse or suicides, which are all, you know, related to a lot of the um, transphobia and just a lot of the problems that, you know, we have in, in this, this society, but it may be unsafe for a person to, um, express themselves the way that they feel like, you know, they, the, in their, in their true gender, because mm-hmm. of the fact that they can get um, harassed, catcalled, beaten up. Um, they can be discriminated against at work. They can have, um, you know, difficulty um, obtaining, you know, like um, purchasing things, you know, when you're going somewhere, if you're, you know, legal identification and dead name or you know, do not um, match what they see in front of, you know, the person they see in front of them. And so it's very, it, it's, it's very scary and it's yeah. very sad and it puts people in a box. And I think about how there used to be people who used to, you know, light skinned, you know, multiracial or biracial individuals who would pass for white, you know, or people who were Jewish who would change their name and right. you know, get no jobs and try to, you know, also pass for, you know, Protestant evangelical or what have you. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people who are having to suppress their gender expression, um, not because they want to, but because, uh, society demands it if they want to live another day and that what it does to a person's psyche um, to essentially, you know, have to be misgendered um, yeah. because of, you know, because of this, you know, th- th- this danger that you face is just really, I don't think people understand how much it wrecks havoc on a, a human's, um, you know, sense of self. Yeah. And I think and then, you know, in in a way, we're also talking about masking here, which is also overlapped onto our, you know, our autistic population, which already feels they need to do that to get by in society. And it's the amount of energy on top of the mental energy and the yes. physical, you know, the physical effects of that as well. Um, yeah, it's a great cause for concern. Definitely. Yes. And then even I think about the the, the sensory piece. So with gender mm, expression, sure. let's say a person is in a situation where they're looking into purchasing a certain type of clothing. Well, are the, you know, the way things are bunched up around the neck or the waist or whatever, do they fit your body type or can you handle it? Like, or is it uncomfortable for you? Like, so I think about myself, um, I identify as a non-binary woman. And I used to not say that because I used to feel like, okay, people are going to attack that every which way because mm-hmm. you can't be one or the other. But um, why can't you? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> right. um, and so I know that, that, and it isn't to, um, to minimize, you know, I can, I'll explain that later. This isn't about me, but um, I just think about the fact that, you know, I like the feel, I like the way um, t-shirts that are quote unquote male feel better. I like the way their arms are cut and the, the length, but I don't like the way they fit around the neck. It's very uncomfortable for me. So I'm typically when I shop, I do shop in the section of clothing that's like, you know, ladies or juniors or whatever, and, and less in the, um, you know, section that's associated with males, because also the waist, you know, the way the, the waists are built, like, you know, women and, you know, men, when you took at sex, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, they, you know, the, there's often a difference in the body, you know, shape. And so clothes are not made for a person's gender identity. Clothes are made for sex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I appreciate your being open with my my audience and myself, because I think it's really important for people to um, have other people to identify with, because I think it's uh, very isolating already to to have. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons to feel isolated, especially right now. Um, But we don't need to add more to that plate. In fact, I think we need to find ways to connect to other people and other people who might understand what we too are also feeling and how, um, you know, what we're going through. And so I, I appreciate that. And I think, um, you know, my first thought is someone might say, but wait, she has children and uh-huh. she has, you know, she's married and what's, uh-huh. wait a minute, what's, I'm confused. So, so let's, let's, I know you said it's not about you and I get that, but in some ways I think this helps people maybe open up their minds and and be a little bit, you know, we're changing a paradigm here, I think, that most people are living in. Yes? Yes, I agree. And so, um, in, you know, it, it's interesting because I think that um, that is what people, you know, will, I think will typically think because they have an idea, okay, so if a person, they think that if a person's trans, you should be able to identify them, which is laughable to me because like, when I look at, like, you know, Janet Mock or whatever, I'm like, come on, people. So, you you know, you, you can't make assumptions. There's no one way, quote unquote, to, to look like a, uh, like, you know, to be trans feminine, to be a woman of transgender experience or to be trans masculine. Oh, they're all short. How do you know? You know, or and they think everyone non-binary is, you know, looks very, you know, neutral. So they they picture someone who dresses like, you know, Temple Grandin and hairstyle like that, maybe younger, but, you know, that type of thing. And I'm thinking there is no one way to be anything. And so, um, you know, for myself, um, it, it took some time, you know, so I both my gender identity and my sexuality took some time to, to for me to understand or to come um, to come you know, to terms with, because I, just like with, you know, being autistic and then, you know, prior to that being diagnosed with ADHD, I thought the way that I thought was the way everyone thought, you know, I mean, I knew some things weren't because I knew I was different. I was confused. I I didn't get things, but I didn't realize that everyone else's brain didn't go a million miles a minute and they could just sit and concentrate on one thing. I had no idea that that was the way anybody's brain worked. And I was, I was so jealous when I found that out. But um, similarly, I never, I thought, so I grew up, you know, and I was, you know, assigned gender of female at birth. I was socialized as a woman. But in my case, I always really embraced womanhood because um, my mother, you know, my parents are immigrants from, you know, West Africa. And my parents um, are pretty non-traditional. Like, I mean, they're they're old school immigrants in a lot of ways. Like, with, they didn't let me date and all this kind of stuff. I had to sneak. But <laughs> in terms of they didn't believe, you know, girls in the kitchen cooking, washing dishes, doing chores, learning how to braid hair. If I wanted to run out with my brothers, get dirty and scramble around, I had transformers just like they did. I you know, played video games like they did. My brothers cooked and washed dishes. We all did the same exact chores. My parents were more, I was always had my nose in a book and my dad would be like, let her read then, let her do what she's doing. Right. You know, that's going to be better for her in the future rather than just cooking. You know what I mean? And my dad cooked, you know, my mom cooked uh, mostly, but my dad did cook too. So in our home, it wasn't like there's chores for men and chores for women. They right. all did the same thing. Now, sometimes someone might be better at something. Like my mother, my mother, it, her ironing skills, she, she should open up a dry cleaning. <laughs> I mean, she's amazing. And my older brother, so she did pretty much all the ironing, not because she was a woman, just because she was freaking good at it, you know? Right. And so, um, so in our home, you know, it was to be a woman was to be proud. A woman could be just as earned just as much as a man could be just as smart as a man. Like my mom didn't want to have me to have this mentality of being less than because she saw a lot of that growing up and she loved her culture. There's a lot of very positive things about women and, you know, in, in, you know, and, you know, West African culture, but there's also some things that are, you know, not, you know, as positive in terms of, you know, gender. And, um, so, um, I grew up thinking, I knew that society was, you know, pretty sexist. I saw how women's bodies were used to sell products and how there were things that boys could do, but girls couldn't do like at sports and class. And, you know, there, you know, that was all clear to me, but I was just all about, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, prove that I can do just as much as a guy. Um, and so I didn't have this sense of, um, so I knew that, okay, these are the clothes that they say you can wear. But if you wear these other clothes, people don't care. If you wear your hair this way or this way, like, you know, I just didn't really, I knew that there were quote unquote norms, but I felt like they were more like suggestions, not like rules. Mm. And I didn't know that anybody really truly felt like a quote unquote woman. I mean, you say you're a woman, you say you're a girl, because that's what they say you are. 
You know what I mean? But, you know, so if your girl's supposed to have long hair, but I mean, if you cut your hair short, people are like, oh, it's super cute. You know, it's like, if you know, sometimes people might feel like, oh, this person looks too quote unquote butch or whatever. Like mm-hmm. they go and really, you know, stereotypical things. But for the most part, you know, and I guess part probably because of being, a, you know, an exennial, um, it wasn't, um, it was seen as okay to, you know, kind of, you know, do things across the gender lines or mm. that seems, you know, somewhat gender fluid. Um, so I thought that that was the case. I didn't realize that everyone, you know, that people inside really felt like this way or felt like this way. I knew people acted a certain way, you know, behaviors, but I thought those were just behaviors. I didn't know that that was actually, so the people who were maybe assigned female at birth and cisgender female, that they really do feel like um, tears and chick flick and all this kind of stuff. Not, they, you know, not just that they do it, but they might actually like it. And I'm, I know that's a pinhole to a stereotype, but <laughs> I thought everyone just felt like a person. But the, the thing that you were, the person you were was just called woman or male, you know, right. just like, okay, I'm a person, I'm black. This is a person that's Latinx. Like, this is just, this is the type of person I am, <laughs> you know, just like race yeah, or gender. Yeah. And that's, and I didn't realize that that wasn't the case. I thought everyone didn't feel any real affinity, affinity for one gender or another, but you just were assigned to one, you know, like I just happened to speak English, you know, I could have spoke, you know, my parents, you know, I could speak Yoruba or Portuguese or Arabic, mm-hmm. like, you know, my, my parents' relatives, but I don't. And so when I realized that that wasn't the case, it blew my mind because I was like, oh, OK, I, I didn't realize. I mean, I called myself woman because I looked up to people like Coretta Scott King and mm-hmm. um, you know, Sojourner Truth and all these strong women and people who'd overcome circumstances. But it's not like I really identified with them, but I, I just loved the, you know, underdog, you know, overcoming type of you know, thing with women. So more and, like a, a person, like like really identifying with the person and maybe because they were a female appearing and you really, yes. you kind of connected with that. And it, it's interesting you say that because as I, as I'm hearing you say that, I, I've had, I had that same experience from very young feeling like I'm just a person and how come these other uh, girls are doing things and are interested yes. in things that I mm-hmm. I am not and and still yeah. to this day I go yeah I just can't relate to women <laughs> yeah and I've always been that way like I was always the person who had all the guy friends and <laughs> you know and I'm not and, and even when I wasn't tomboyish you know like I, when I was yeah. little I was sort of you know but even when I was older and all into the makeup and the heels and still had guy friends because I could understand them yes they didn't yes. you know they weren't like they wouldn't they would ask you advice and you give them advice and they take it not that they get <laughs> mad I'm thinking you ask me for advice now you get mad because you didn't really want advice you just wanted to vent why didn't you just say so you know and you're crying about something but that's not going to fix your situation why don't we do something and then cry later on you know like or in all the cattiness and gossip and and being jealous of people like i never understood if a new girl came to school and she was really cute i want to talk to her be like hey girl where are you shopping i want to know where to get some of this stuff not looking down at her rolling her eyes hating on her i never understood that i was like what's the deal what's this competition like it really never made sense to me and uh, for the longest time i just felt like okay i'm just the, the girl who has the guy friends and then unfortunately being autistic I didn't realize that some of the guy friends weren't really friends either they were just hoping yeah. to get close to you so um I didn't realize that so when I realized oh okay well some people actually do feel actually like a gender it's not just something that mm-hmm. um they just utilize and then same thing with um like with sexuality you know what I mean like um I think people understand that a little bit better but I think that um like growing up I know that basically there was you know, heterosexual, and we called it gay and lesbian, or, you know, homosexual. And then there were people who were bi, and that was pretty much, oh, and then there were asexual. That was pretty much it. Right, Um, right. You know, later in life, when, um, I'm I'm pretty sure I was an adult before I learned about other, that there's more than just those, Mm -hmm. you know, when I started learning about, you know, so many different, you know, things, so many different nuances. And, um, and so it was interesting to me, because I always assumed, okay, if you're, if this person's female appearing, and they're with a female, that person's straight. I mean, you know, that person's a lesbian mm-hmm. uh, or they're bi, but that person could be asexual. You know, that person could be sapiosexual, demisexual. And I discovered that I'm demisexual uh, myself. You know what I mean? Like, because again, I thought everybody always was. I, you know, I felt like just because people say, oh my gosh, Tay Diggs, Brad Pitt is so hot. I do them. <laughs> I didn't think they actually meant that. Again, these are just things people say. Like I learned scripts to survive because that's what you do. Right. And I thought, surely I'm not the only one scripting. Nobody really wants to just see, see the guy and you just get wet or whatever you know what I mean like, right. like I didn't think that surely he has to be cute but you also got to like him got to be connected to him got to be into him and that's what really you know sparks the sexual desire him just yeah. looking good so can didn't you even know it really is people see 
biceps, triceps, and they're just like, oh my gosh, you know. Oh, and- I'm, I'm having this moment connecting to this this <laughs> part of the conversation because I totally have that same, I, I, I have and have had that same experience and people saying, oh, aren't they hot? And I'm like, well, yeah, they're, they're attractive, but like, yeah. yeah, what else is there? And so can you, can you, 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 you use the, the term demisexual. Can you like step back a little bit and explain some of that? Because I think some of the people listening in might be like, okay, wait, now more, more words, more terminology. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many, like there's never yeah. any, you know, but so, um, so demisexual just basically means that there's an emotional bond. Like you're not, your sense, it doesn't mean you can't engage in sexual behavior. You, you can physically do whatever, you know, but it means in terms of your real desire, like just like, for example, someone could be closeted, a male could be a closeted gay male married to a woman, never touched a guy, but he really is, he's not, he can, he can have sex with his wife six times a day for years. That doesn't make him straight. You know right. what I mean? He's having straight sex. You know what I mean? But yep. he's not straight. Yeah. And so basically with um, demisexuality, your sexual orientation is like the emotional connection is what causes your attraction. It isn't that you can't look at someone and see objectively that this person is attractive. Yeah, right. they're, they, you know, nice muscles, nice chest, nice face. But it's like you don't have a desire to get physically intimate, like the, the connection, the trust, that deep feeling. That's when you're just like, I want to be all over that person. That's when you just can't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and that's and, you know, it's not like, oh, a one night stand that was so hot. Oh, spring break. Ugh. You know, it's like you might do it <laughs> if you want to experience because everybody else is doing it, but it's not you. You right. know what I mean? And so it's not, um, and so it's considered queer because it's not toward, um, you know, if you can be pansexual and that means, you know, any gender. So, you know, agender, uh, metagender, um, you know, trans, you know, whatever, like a person, you know, so, you know, or you can be straight and be demisexual. You can be bi, you can be whatever, but it's just about basically that's what, that's how your sexuality, it's, it's not just about the physicality. It's about, you've got to feel safe, empowered, connected, Again, it doesn't mean you can't have sex in other ways, but it's what you desire, what's what's really real, what you crave right. is that. So I think, yeah, so that so if we're going to tease that out with, when we're talking about sexuality, it's really what turns you on, right? Can we say yeah. it that way? So like what turns yeah. you on? Not that you can't, like you said, the physical act is one piece of that. And that mm-hmm. can be, and not that that necessarily would be bad either. It's just if you were going to, what would instinctually turn you on right and vary and and I think that's when right when we tease out gender gender identity gender expression and then we get into sexuality who we're attracted to and what turns Mm -hmm. on is yet another thing and yet another Mm -hmm. spectrum that we right and then there's the romantic aspect like a person can be you know, yes. you know, how do they, it's kind of like the gender expression piece. So it's like gender identity is, kind of, I mean, I know this is very simplified and not actually accurate, but just, a, you know, to put it in a TLDR, you know, it's like basically gender identity um, is kind of like sexuality and gender expression is kind of like um, romanticism, but not exactly, but, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just kind of a, I guess a simple, not exactly accurate, but, you know, way to, to break it down. <laughs> You know, and then there's sapiosexuality where it's intelligence in the mind. You know, they're just really, you know what I mean? And I, there's some aspects of that with me too. Like, you know, I think about growing up, if I had a, a, a teacher and then in college, a professor, someone like those, you know, whose brain, you know, just, it, it, it was like, you know, I'm having dreams about, you know, people <laughs> stuff. it's like, because I'm, I'm fascinated by intelligence. I'm fascinated because like, I, um, you know, like things that I understand, uh, like, you know, my life has always been living a life in a world where I don't understand it. So things that are fascinating, that are intriguing, that are not about, you know, just the surface level stuff always really appeal to me, you know? Yeah, no, I, and I think this is like a really interesting um, kind of conversation because I feel that many people are still back where you had said before, it's like, you know, male, female, gay, straight, bi, uh, you know, right. We're still, there are many Mm -hmm. people still back in that place. And now this is a whole new area that um, people need to learn about. And I think that's why I really wanted to make sure that we talked about it because not only is this just, this is, you know, the society where we, we have, we're learning more. And I'm not going to say that it's changed because I don't think it has. I think it's, mm-hmm. this has always been there. Like you said yes. earlier, um, it's just now people are, I think in some ways tired of having to hide and tired. Yeah. And, and it's also not, if we're going to be our true authentic selves, we need to 
be accepting of all of what that means. And this is part of what that means. And, you know, and And I I think, oh, sorry. No, no, go. No, I was going to say that one thing that I think, so I think about, um, you know, I was on the board of, you know, Autistic Self-Advocacy Network and um, Autistic Women and Non-Binary Network, which was originally Autism Women's Network for a number of years. And I remember when we decided to, um, at AWN, changed the name from Autism Women's Network to Autistic Women and Non-Binary Network. And it had nothing about AWN changed. AWN had always been a place for gender minorities. So, you know, in, in autism, the majority um, gender are, you know, people who consider themselves, cis, you know, are, are, are male, cisgender male. So whether it's a little boy or a teen or, a, you know, programmer in Silicon Valley, basically, you know, people think the good doctor, they think Sherman, they think, you know, atypical, they right. think, um, you know, a person who's a woman or a girl or whatever, you know, so, or, you know, trans or non-binary. So it was always a hub for people who were not the, the you know, people who get the 75% of the diagnoses. So whether that's women, <laughs> girls, non-binary, you know, it's trans, trans feminine, trans masculine, whatever, um, a, you know, asexual, agender, you know, so that's always what a autism women's network was for. Um, and so, but the name wasn't reflective of that. It's kind of like how there's certain organizations, you know, right. there's a, um, you know, certain organizations that are for, um, you know, people of color at large, but maybe when they were founded years ago, it was just for, you know, Black and Latinx, and it's not inclusive of the rest of their population. So, you know, so basically when we changed the name, we had so many people attacking us. Oh my gosh, here you're going into all that gay stuff. This, what does this have mm-hmm. to do with it? What about women? What about this? What about that? I have my kids six. I'm not going to follow your page anymore. This is, I don't want to be peddling that stuff to my child's mind. I'm wow. thinking- you guys are so confused right over here. <laughs> We're talking about gender identity. That has nothing to do with sexuality. A person could be a virgin. A person could be asexual. Like, you know, we're not saying, you know what I mean? Sexuality is one piece. Gender is another. There's, you know, overlap, but they are not the same. So you're freaking out over nothing. There's nothing that we're going to say. I'm a parent too. You know what I mean? Like, whether, it, I'm not showing my child any kind of porn, you know, straight, gay, whatever, you know what I mean? Because they're young. You know right. what I mean? So it's like, right. you know what I mean? You know, so things that are, you know, it's not that AWM was suddenly going to become age inappropriate, although it was a page for adults anyway, but um, people misunderstand. And I think that people need to, you know, sexual identity, gender identity are not the same thing. A person may come, may come, become aware of their sexual identity and, you know, orientation and not know and, and not aware of their gender identity or the other way around, you know, at different times. Mm-hmm. And I think that people need to not need, don't need to be you know, conflating the two. It isn't the same, just like race and ethnicity are not the same. My race is black, but I'm not African-American. I'm Yoruba. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. My children are, you know, Mende and Timne and, you know what I mean? And Gribble, you know what I mean? Like that's their ethnic group where someone else is, you know, might be African-American, you know, that's right. just what their family's been for hundreds of years. It's not the same. They're related, but not the same. And I think that's what people get confused about and, and then when you put autism on top of it, some people are like, well, do they really know they're autistic? Can they really understand this? You know, they don't understand things anyway. Do they really know what they are? You know, are they really trans or is this just part of being autistic and feeling different? You know, and that's, right. that's othering and belittling. Yes, yes, definitely. And I think, you know, um, in having that, it, it, I guess where all of these things meet is part of the exploration and like what you were saying is some people might know or might to discover their gender identity before discovering sexuality. And I wonder if, uh, and again, this just like kind of popped into my head as you were saying that was there, I've heard working with parents, you know, my child, you know, doesn't show any interest in dating or doesn't show any interest in, you know, the opposite sex generally is where they go with that. Um, But it's, you know, I'm worried that they're going to be alone and they're going to be lonely and they're not going to connect. And so, so, you know, of course, just like any other young person, people are people are people and they're needing to learn about themselves and learn what what um, is is interesting to them and what feels comfortable to them. And and I think that takes a lot of work, no matter how old you are. I think that takes a lot of work. I think where maybe autism may kind of play an additional role here is sometimes doing that work is a little harder because you're also doing a lot of other work to kind of, you know, navigate the world. And then this is just something else that gets added into that. And so, you know, and and I wonder if also, um, when families are concerned about their kids, like not connecting with other people in a romantic way, or seriously, like I would say in a sexual way sometimes too, it's, 
that maybe they're still figuring that out, one, or maybe they're afraid to have that conversation with their family because it's not, it might not be what the family's used to. It might not be what we would consider traditional. Um, And so they're afraid to kind of talk about that. And that's where, right, this kind of work comes in where I want there, I want people to feel safe to be able to go to loved ones and have these kinds of conversations. Exactly. And so I think that that's something that you've made a key point. People are trying to figure out so many different things already about themselves, about the way they think, about how they feel. And then you know what you you might figure out what you like or you don't like. Do you have access to that, though? Because right. there's still the fact that we live in an ableist society. There's still the fact that autism is a you know, a social communication disability. So just because you've learned you like this or you like that doesn't mean you can find a way to connect with people and find a way to date that's going to work, that's not going to be awkward. Um, and it's it's difficult for any teen or young adult to have a discussion with their parents about romantic stuff, about dating and who they like and what they think and, you know, getting advice. It's, it's mortifying for anyone. I think it's even more so when you're on the spectrum because you already feel different. And then there, I think that Parents, we all love our kids. We all do. And I tell my kids, like even, you know, the one that's in college, I was like, you're still my baby. You know, you're, you're a young adult, you're still my baby. Um, but I think that there's a lot of infantilization, you know, that happens. And so as people are like, okay, mom doesn't even think I'm responsible enough to keep my room clean or whatever. I'm supposed to talk to her about dating. Or, you know, <laughs> That's you know, some people think our kids are perpetual adults. So you'll hear people say, my child has the mental age of a five-year-old, even though he's 20. I'm thinking, well, no, he has the mental age of a 20-year-old who may process differently. Maybe it's not the same of a, as a right. you know, 20-year-old, but he's not five. He has, you know, needs and he has urges. And, you know, it's frustrating when people, um, you know, pigeonhole people. And I think you can see the flip side of that. There's the people whose kid doesn't seem interested in dating at all, maybe because they're a late bloomer, maybe because they're mm-hmm. very Maybe because they're a, a you know asexual, a romantic. Maybe because um, they're worried about other things. But there's the flip side where people become hypersexual, hyper um, yeah. active because they want to fit in. They right. want, there's no better buffer for the world when you're autistic than having a, a partner, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. Especially if they're popular, they're neurotypical, they're chatty. That's going to mm-hmm. save you from so much stuff. Right. Now you don't say no to all these events because you got to you know you have somebody there and whether they're toxic or not, <laughs> you know, or whether they're hypersexual people. Uh, and I think I do believe wholeheartedly that um, predators do seek out, um, yeah. they can see neurodiversity, they see difference, and they do seek us out, you know, not just people who are on the spectrum, but other types of differences too, other types of um, neurologies. And we are at risk of, um, you know, being in friendships and relationships that are not what they seem to be, you know, or right. they appear to be. I know I've been in lots of situations where I really thought, you know, it wasn't called Netflix and chill, but I thought that's what we were doing. Just being <laughs> young, you know, I mean, if you want to have sex, say so. Like I, mean, I never understood the, you know, the beater. I mean, I may say yes, I may say no. I'm probably going to say no, but you know, like don't all this, these games and you find yourself in situations that are dangerous because people aren't being clear about what they want and what their expectations are. Right. And this and, and I had a conversation with um, a speech therapist who specializes in couples. Right. And, and relate building relationship. And that was actually part of that conversation conversation, too, is really being transparent, especially with this type of conversation, because this, the, the subtle cues might not land the way we think they do. In fact, it's difficult, again, for everyone. Um, But then on top of it, to not have that transparency uh, is, is, is especially difficult. And so to, to be able to have someone in your life that you can be transparent with and have, like you said, if you want to have sex, let's just have sex and just tell me that because then I know what to expect and I know where we go with this. But Mm -hmm. if not, to kind of have all of these subtle cues can make it, um, you know, really challenging. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm this, this, this conversation, I know we could probably talk so long about it, but I really feel that, um, you know, I've probably given people a lot of food for thought and a lot of information at this point. Um, and one thing I do want to ask though, is I know you work, um, with community, um, who is struggling with these same types of issues. If we have families or, you know, adults listening in that, really want to go reach out and find more people to under, you know, to kind of learn more and understand and be able to better express what they're thinking and feeling. Um, where, where can people go to find more information? 
So there's some great research out there. I know you've had, you know, some researchers on the, mm-hmm. the show recently. There's some good community resources. So there's things like, for example, there's a an autism and transgender collaborative um, guidebook that was created by the National, um, you know, GLBT Center for Excellence in collaboration with autism, um, Autistic Women and Non-Binary Network. Um, and so AWN is one resource. There's some others. There's um, some groups, some collaborative groups. Um, because I think that it's important to find things that are on both sides that are related yeah. to gender and autism and that are related or, or, you know, sexuality, but also are related to one or the other, because, you know, they're going to, you're not going to find like one comprehensive resource per se, but I would just recommend that people educate themselves as much as possible. And what I try to tell some people is, look, no one, you know, people would love your acceptance, but they at least deserve your tolerance. So I'm not trying to tell anybody how to believe people have their beliefs, you know, parents, whatever about life and what's, you know, and it may not even be that there's, they have an issue with a particular type of gender or sexuality, but they're just concerned about their child having yet one more marginalization in in a biased world and the life being harder for them as a result. But you, so you, you can have your, they have their, you know, their design and their plans for their lives and you have yours. And ultimately, again, you don't have to approve or agree with all of their choices just tolerate, you know, tolerate their choices, approve of them as a person, because that's your child, that's your friend, that's your partner, your sibling, your neighbor, whoever. And so I think that people, I, you know, I've done a lot of work in the HIV community, and I've, I've seen the damage that it does when people, um, you know, because there's a lot of, you know, correlation with, um, you know, gender identity, sexuality, and um, HIV um, risk, and, you know, and incidents. And I've seen people cutting their, their children off for years, for decades, and the damage that it does. And I just feel like, Nobody here wants to have that on their conscience no. to that, okay, because they, you didn't like who makes their, their, their parts tingly, you, um, you know, cut them off or you won't see them. And now, you know, it's just horrible and sad. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think that that, that is my, my, one of my primary objectives for um, having these types, types of, you know, I know more difficult kinds of conversations, but I, I, again, I wholeheartedly believe that, you know, your child is your child. Um, people are people and you love them and you want to make sure that you can at least, like you say, tolerate, but really just try to educate yourself so that you can be a better support um, and at least be there to listen when things are, get really tough because I think that's adds to the isolation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, um, you know, being here with me today and having uh, this conversation. Um, I suspect that we'll probably chat again in the future, which I would really love. Uh, and, you know, thank you for all the resources and for, for teaching teaching us because I think we really need uh, to have this kind of work brought uh, into light more. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Well, take care and I'll talk to you soon. Great. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh, and if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. I also offer training, consultations, and parent coaching, and would love to help you in any way that I can. You can check out my offerings at thespectrumstrategy.com, and when you join my email list, you can get a code to receive a discount off of an online class or a coaching session. Looking forward to hearing from you. Take care and see you next time.